Living with a serious illness can be very stressful for the affected patient and their loved ones. But did you know that there is a type of treatment that focuses on improving the quality of life for both the patient and their family? It's called palliative care, and today we're going to learn about it with Dr. Larry Costner, an internal medicine physician at Ridgecrest Regional Hospital. This is the podcast from Ridgecrest Regional Hospital. I'm Prakash Chandran. So first of all, Dr. Kosner, let's talk about what exactly palliative care is. So palliative care is probably best understood in the context of care overall. So let me take a minute to sort of describe that. On the one end of care are people who have disorders which are completely curable and by curing them can put them back to a completely normal and full and healthy life. And obviously in that setting, that's what we want to do. There are then people who have disorders which are not really addressable at all by modern medicine, that we know those disorders are going to take the patient's life. And so for such patients, really our priority is to make them comfortable for whatever period of time is left them here on earth. And we call that hospice care. Now, sandwiched between those two is something that arises occasionally where a patient will have a disorder that is either difficult to treat or that we can only treat for some period of time, but their quality of life is good enough that they want to extend that time as long as possible. But they also want to extend that time in a setting where their symptoms are as well controlled as possible. So in that setting, where somebody is dealing with a serious, probably life-threatening illness that also causes them, and often, as you pointed out, their family, serious symptoms, what we like to be able to do is we like to let some of their specialists concentrate on keeping their disease as well-controlled and as well-treated as possible But that gives other specialists the opportunity to address their symptoms, to make them feel as good as they can in the context of treating their underlying diseases by other specialists. Those doctors are called palliative or palliative physicians that are concentrating on making their symptoms well-controlled. Yeah, I think you described it very, very well and just kind of where palliative care fits on that spectrum. I'm curious as to some of the most common things that palliative care physicians treat? So that's an excellent question. Probably at the top of that list are uh, various cancers, or to use the technical term, malignancies. In many cases, modern medicine may lack the ability to completely cure certain cancers, certain malignancies, but does have the ability to hold them at bay, to either reduce them to not visibly present or at least keep them from growing larger for some substantial period of time, months or sometimes even years. Oftentimes in that setting, somebody says, look, I know this cancer will probably take my life at some point in the future, but at the moment, my specialists are keeping it controlled and I want to be able to live my life as fully as possible. So let's let my specialists treat my cancer for now, which is being, you know, held at bay, and I'm going to let my palliative physicians make sure that I feel good enough to do the things I want to do, to, you know, take that cruise I've always wanted to go on, or go across the country to see my grandchildren, or plant my garden, or, you know, take care of my dogs, or whatever. The other diseases, of course, can sometimes do things like that. Serious 
cardiac heart disease or serious lung disease will sometimes put a person in the same situation, but probably the commonest by far are the, the malignancies, the cancers of various sorts. Okay. I am curious about when a general oncologist, for example, turns into a palliative care physician, or is there a certain handoff that happens when the family decides that they want to seek palliative care? Maybe talk a little bit about how that dynamic works. So as a general rule, oncologists are superbly trained to function in both of those modes. They're superbly trained to function in the mode of, let's see if we can cure your malignancy. And it surprises a lot of people how many malignancies we are able to cure in this day and age versus saying, look, this malignancy is not one we can cure, or this malignancy could have been cured had it been at an earlier stage, but it's too late a stage, so we can't cure it. But we can treat it palliatively. We can treat it to keep it from taking your life at least for some period of time. So all oncologists that I work with are superb at both of those functions. The difference is, is that as a general rule, when you're trying to cure somebody's disease, you really are a little bit reluctant to focus too much on the symptoms because you're afraid you'll lose the opportunity to cure. Whereas once it's clear to both the the oncologist and the patient that this is no longer a disease which is ultimately curable, even if for now you can hold it at bay. At that point, the oncologist often would like to be able to have another provider help them because sometimes the symptom control itself can be just as demanding as trying to treat the underlying malignancy in terms of the time it takes and the complexity. So at that point, many oncologists will say, Look, I'm an oncologist. I am the specialist who knows how to treat your underlying tumor so that we don't shortchange you in terms of the time it takes to also treat your pain or your fatigue or your, you know, your itching or whatever it is. Let's also get you to a specialist who can just focus on those symptoms. That's the palliative doc, and we work hand in hand with the oncology people. Yeah, so this kind of leads me to my next question around when a patient or their loved ones should ask to transition to palliative care. Like, is that something that's immediately recommended to them, or is this something that they need to talk to their physician about? So many oncologists are already spontaneously going to bring this up with patients, especially the, the oncologists who practice in either academic settings or younger oncologists who have been sort of trained in the model of trying to help patients better understand the disease. But all of us in a busy workday practice, and I think especially some of the oncologists who may have trained longer ago and may have been at that point, we in medicine were less sensitive to such things, they may not bring it up spontaneously. So what I tell patients in my general internal medicine practice, what I told patients is always ask your oncologist at every visit, just ask them as one of the questions you ask, where are we in our goals, doctor? Ask your oncologist that. Are we still in a position where we think we can cure my tumor, where we can get rid of my tumor and I won't have to deal with it again, or at least I won't have to deal with it for five or 10 years. I mean, some period of time, which is in biology is as long as pretty much forever. Or are we dealing with my tumor now that you don't think we can get a cure out of this? And the oncologist's 
will, in, in my experience, be able to then give the patient that answer. They said, no, we're still hoping for a cure, Mr. Smith, or no, Mr. Smith, I think because the last two treatments we've tried didn't get rid of your cancer entirely. They kept it at bay, but they didn't get rid of it. I think we have to face that we're probably no longer looking at a cure, but let's try to keep it, let's try to keep it minimized as long as we can. That's the time that palliative care becomes an issue to discuss, you know, with your oncologist. Should I also, doctor, add a palliative specialist to our care? So what I'm really hearing from you is that in general, an oncologist will be pretty proactive with you in telling you when you need to make that transition. But it's never a bad idea for you or your loved ones to be proactive and ask the question, where are we on our goals? Does it make sense to make that transition to palliative care sooner than later? So speaking of the care itself, I'm sure a lot of us are wondering what that treatment looks like once we start palliative care. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Often palliative care revolves around the kind of symptoms that make people less able to live their life or less able to enjoy it. So pain control is, of course, a crucial issue. And pain control is a more complicated problem nowadays because, as almost everyone is aware, we're in the midst of an opioid crisis where we've probably, we as a profession, we as a society, all of us together, have probably overused the opioid pain medications, morphine and codeine and and things like that, and the street drugs like heroin, to the point that the use of those drugs is now very tightly controlled and watched very closely by the government. And that has made a lot of providers somewhat more reluctant to do that. So having a specialist that does nothing but that kind of medicine, i.e. practice using opioids, often frees the oncologists or the general internists up from having to worry that they're going to be looked at as over-treating any given patient because the government differentiates between treating patients in a palliative practice or a hospice practice versus a general practice. So pain control is one of the crucial issues, and that's complicated these days. But many times it's also being able to address things like dizziness, you know, dehydration, uh, itching, sleeplessness is a common problem, insomnia, weakness that can be either due to the disease or the treatment or whatever. Those are all symptoms which might be addressed by the palliative care specialist. You know, just as we wrap up here, I imagine that, you know, discussing palliative care comes with a certain realization for the patient and their families. So I'm curious as to if you have any advice for people who might be apprehensive about discussing palliative care with their loved ones or for the patients themselves. My advice to everyone, and especially to loved ones who often, as you pointed out earlier in our conversation, need to be the patient advocate because the patient may feel so bad in some settings that the patient can't even adequately articulate, can't talk about how bad they feel. So having loved ones as part of that team that can talk about those symptoms is important. The loved ones often make conversations about the underlying disease more acceptable and easier to undertake if they remind themselves and if they remind their loved ones that none of us knows what's going to happen in the future. And anything we talk about and anything we plan is not carved in stone. Let's talk about how to approach things if they don't go well, but let's keep hoping that things are going to go well. And I emphasize that with all my patients. 
Well, Dr. Cosner, this has been hugely insightful. I really appreciate your time today. That's Dr. Larry Cosner, an internal medicine physician at Red Trust Regional Hospital. Thanks for checking out this episode. Head to rrh.org slash podcast for more information. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thanks, and we'll talk next time.